Yo, Concrete. You made this? to another episode of Prolific Roots. Uh, I'm your host today, Malosi, and my brother over here. Ricky Lee Fuller. Uh, we just want to welcome you guys and thank you again for tuning in. Uh, remember, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, um, and then, of course, share the video, spread that good vibes. Uh, but we have a special guest with us today. I'm going to go ahead and let Ricky uh, introduce her. Very excited about, this is probably somebody that uh, you guys will all be surprised that you guys are probably looking at her right now is like, hmm, I wonder what she does. Like, <laughs> is she a model? Is she a dancer? Is she a, a singer? I mean, I, I'm going to leave y'all like five seconds to probably write in the comments right now what y'all think she is. Now nah, I'm playing. Um, to my right, I have uh, Bree Wolfgram, a.k.a. Officer Wolfgram. Hey. <laughs> uh, she is a police officer. Uh, Bree, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Uh, hi, nice to meet you guys all. I'm Bree Wolfgram. I've been a cop for five years, and I actually met him here at the gym a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. About a week ago, yeah. yeah. And so that's how we crossed paths and uh, just got to talking, and that's how I'm here today. Yep. <laughs> uh, so amidst all this, amidst all of this Corona craziness, Bree, you're quarantined in the house. You're going to be there for two weeks. What are three things you cannot be without? During this quarantine, uh, a food aside, essentials aside, obviously, essentials aside. what are three okay. things that you have to, you need with you during this craziness that's going on in this world? Um, three things that I need. Oh boy. Uh, let's see. A good book and a good book. You're a reader. Yes. I'm what a book are you reading right now? Um, so Jesus, right. the Bible. <laughs> no, like, I should probably that. pick that one up. <laughs> no, I'm not reading that one. Um, I'm actually reading a book on Jeffrey Dahmer. I really like uh, true crime books. Okay. okay. Um, and learning about stuff like that. Hence why I'm in the job I am. So um, a good book. Yep. So a good book. Um, I would say my pets. Like I like having my pets. Your pets? They definitely keep me company. Okay. Um, and and working out like the gym. Like, you need the gym. All the gyms are close. Do you have workout equipment in your house to? Because I, I mean, you're quarantined, so you can't leave, right? So I mean, yeah, P ninety X. So you know, gotta lift the couch or something. <laughs> hey, what? Yeah. Wow, wow, that's innovative. Okay. Yeah. No, um, super excited to have Bree here on the show. Like she said, I met her at a at a at a gym. Uh, we were playing basketball. And she was there watching. She was watching her friend play, and um, her friend, yeah, we, yeah, who's actually waiting outside uh, for her to be done with this. So shout outs to the friend. No, but um, no, we just got to talking, and uh, she has a very powerful story, a, power, a very powerful upbringing as to why she got involved in law enforcement, and so that's essentially what we're going to be focusing on today is her journey that led her up to want to become a cop because this is not something that just kind of just happened, and she didn't have anything that she wanted to do. This is something that she had planned. It was like, okay, before she became of age, she knew that, uh, and when I say age, I mean 18, she knew that she wanted to pursue this law enforcement path. And her reasoning behind that is extremely powerful, and that's something that we want to dive into, and we'll focus on a little bit of the, a, a few other things regarding that. But um, 
yeah, I guess uh, let's just let's not waste the people's time anymore. Bree, go ahead and talk a little bit about your background, your upbringing with your family, siblings, parents. Um, what was your upbringing like? Okay, um, so I come from a very big family, as most Polynesian homes are, right? right, right. Um, so there's ten kids in my family. Uh, so there's 12 of us total. That includes my that's, parents. That's not most Polynesian <laughs> families. I mean, for any non-Polynesians watching, that's... She meant to say Mormon. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. <laughs> Facts. That's fair. Um, yeah, so I come from a very big family. Um, I've got six brothers and three sisters. Um, so my mom, you know, she got... So it's kind of a mix of, like, his, hers, and ours. So my mom was married, you know, and she had three kids in her first marriage. My dad had four. My stepdad had four from his previous. They got together and had... Um, and then I guess like talking about upbringing like I guess my whole life like I was very into music right and a lot of my family is um, very music oriented like they really love music and singing and stuff and so that was actually a career path that I thought I was going to take myself singing as well was singing yeah really really what show were you contemplating on trying out for be real um so actually i have already tried out for american idol twice oh okay uh, so i did i actually did did you get to hollywood that. no i did not so i oh, actually so the first time i tried out i was 16 um and did not make it past the first round and then just last year i did try out made it to the second round and then i didn't get pushed through uh, to the next one where where was the where did you go to try out like was it just did you have um, to like send so, a video in? i always wondered like how did so it, the first one was um, out in California, flew out to California okay. and auditioned there. And then this last one was actually just here. They did like some, uh, they uh, stopped uh, on their way to, I don't know where they were headed, but they had stopped here in Utah. And the tri- the right. auditions were actually out in Rose Park. Oh, really? Nice. That's where that was out. Yeah, it's either you're really bad and you make the show or you're really good, right? Yeah. So you yeah. were just in between. You probably like right before the really good people. Yeah, probably. I don't yeah, we'll just, we'll just keep it at that. I know we can find out right now. You, I'll be I'll be Simon Cowell. You can do your thing. What you want to do? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And, and before we go any further, before she starts talking about her family, we are related. So don't try to put in the comments family members like, oh, you're probably related. We are. We don't know each <laughs> yeah, other. They are related. They we just found out right before. together. So we, we just going to keep it at that. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> okay. So um, you, you wanted to be a singer. This is what, this is probably something that you were, were you passionate about it then? I mean. Yes, I was. So like I, I did singing groups as a little kid. Uh, my grandfather. Out here in Utah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So my grandfather actually um, signed me up for performances out all around the valley. So I performed at the Galavan Center, at the State Fair, at Taylorsville Days, West Fest. Oh, you like, was active out here. Yeah, yeah, like I was doing a bunch of performances and stuff here and there. Um, and then, you know, it's just as I got older, I was, there was just the, the switch that led me to my law enforcement career. And I, I can tell you, I, I honestly didn't think I was going to be where I am today. Like I thought I would still be pursuing music at this point. Right, right. You went to high school out here, right, in Utah? Yes, yeah. Okay. And did you have a plan for college, or what was that like as far as, like, did your parents say, hey? Um, so my parents wanted me to go to college. Um, so I very much uh, loved – I love school. I, I'm kind of a, like, big bookworm nerd. person. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word you're looking for. Yeah, I'm a nerd. Bookworm. <laughs> bookworm, trying to make it sound cool. It's I a was, nerd. Yeah, I was trying to make it sound cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so I really love school. I love to learn. And so my parents were like, yes, you need to go to college and stuff. Right. And, um, so it actually was my senior year, which actually was what piqued my interest into law enforcement. Like I said, it like wasn't even 
planned and it right. wasn't until I, you know, you can't get into law enforcement until you're 21. Okay. Um, so I had to wait a couple of years, but it was when I was like 17, 18 was when I first got interested. I, I didn't know that. So from 18 to 21. Yeah, I thought it was 18. Like, shoot, they let you join the army when you're yeah, 18. You're just like, like you just like JROTC or what? No, so uh, to become a police officer, you have to be 21. Oh, okay. So you have to be 21 because that's the age that you have to be to even be able to have a handgun anyway. Oh, so that's true. 21 years old. You can have a rifle at 18, but you can't have a handgun. Yes. I don't know how that makes sense, but whatever. I don't make the laws. We don't make the laws. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. (laughs) Okay, so 17, you said that your your interest was piqued to get into law enforcement. Let's let's talk about that. Um, Take a moment to, or several moments if you want to, um, to talk about what happened in your life at that time and that made you want to get involved with law enforcement um, because... I feel like that's an early age to to know that that's what you want to do. I mean, some people are fortunate enough to know what they want to do earlier than that. And that's great. But, I mean, I know a lot of people that don't figure out what they want to do until they like 25. I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah. the facts of it. You know what I mean? And, and there's nothing wrong that's with that. Right. You know, people, people come to that stage in their life much later or much earlier than others. Right. But I still feel like 17 or 18 or whatever it is that you said, I still feel like that's an early age to, to know that, okay, I'm committed to this path and this is what I want to do. So talk about what happened at that time in your life that made you want to commit to getting involved in law enforcement? Okay. Um, so that was my senior year in high school, right? And so um, I was a student body officer in high school. And every year, um, as most people know, high schools do like a charity every year. And right. most of the time people do like the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I know, yeah. So most of the time they do that. In my year, we were like, oh, well, let's do something different. And we came across a charity called Child Rescue. And it was about children who were uh, survivors of human trafficking. And the whole point of raising money for it was to uh, be able to, you know, help them get back to normal life and to also uh, help local law enforcement and um, I believe possibly FBI. I don't remember uh, correct um, quite all the information for that, but like it was to help them like help the victims and survivors of that like push through. And so in learning more about that charity, um, we actually got to uh, meet some of the survivors of the human trafficking, and we got to watch a lot of uh, video tutorials where they actually talk about uh, what life was like. Um, how how old there. were these? Were they just young kids? Like I, what think, were their- I think the youngest was um, six or seven, but they wow. do have wow. children who are born into that world who are, you know, obviously... There were women who were having children that were within the human trafficking world. And to these children, they didn't know anything different. Like this was normal life. That was their normalcy. That was their normal. And so in learning that, um, and, you know, obviously I talked to my my family about it. My parents, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, look what I'm learning. This is what we're learning about this charity. And it actually was brought to my attention that um, I have a family member who is a survivor of human trafficking. And I had no idea. So, oh, wow. no so you had no idea before all this happened. So you went home and said or shared your experiences with your, your parents or your mom. And then that's when they told you the story about your family member. Yeah. yeah. Were so you close with that family member? Yes. And I and I had no idea. Wow. Like it, that's insane, like it yeah. just blew my mind. But I mean, it did make sense um, as far as like, you know, the lack of dating and not being married and stuff. And I was like, oh, OK, that actually makes sense right right? and i'm at an age where i understand like 
exactly what human trafficking was right and so after learning that like it actually like it broke my heart it made me really sad because I was like I couldn't imagine you know you know when you're first learning about it you're thinking this is so awful I couldn't imagine what it would be like for these kids to live through this but it's like a whole different ball game when you realize that somebody close to you oh for sure what like that was their reality right like they lived that and I would never, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody I disliked. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want anybody to live that life. No, yeah. And so after learning that, you know, my question was, well, how do I stop it? Like, how do I become a part of stopping it? What can I do? Can so I at that age, part? 17, I mean, you're part of the student body. You're, you're, you're figuring out that kids are involved with this as young as six. Some are born into this life. And then um, you find out that someone that was close to you was actually a survivor themselves and that's when you were like this is what i want or just like at that point was it just kind of like okay well what can i do i know i'm just one person i'm a young person is it just like what can i do or is like i want to get into law enforcement well so at that point i was i was asking you know well what can i do how do i do my part it you know helping this go away like obviously you know being one person right Obviously, I can't make it all go away by myself. Um, but you can, you can. But I help, can at right? least do my part. Yeah, yeah exactly. You can do your part. Right. So you know, if I have some help, right, or if I start educating more people about it, like I feel like if you're more educated about, it, you're more aware, then people are going to do more For to sure. help you out. And so that's why I was like, well, how do I become a part of the solution, right? right? And I found out, oh, okay, well it's actually going to lead me down a path of law enforcement. Right. Right. And that was what I thought. And I said, okay, well, how do I get into that? And I learned that I had to be 21 to get into it. So I had to wait a while. Right. Obviously I'm at a young age where I'm like, not a hundred percent sure. Like what, you know, exactly what path I was going to take. Um, so I actually, before I became, um, a police officer, I decided to do 911 dispatch first. Really? Yeah. So I was a dispatcher for two years and um, after taking the 911 calls and being on that side of the radio, if you, if we'll say, you know, like I learned, like that was confirmation for me that, yeah, I want to be on the other really? end. I'm so that didn't scare you off because I can't imagine yeah. the, I mean, I've probably called 911 maybe like once or twice in my life. I mean, never. I was never, oh, <laughs> uh, I was never frantic about it, but I, I mean, you know, you obviously watch movies and. I hear recordings uh, sometimes of people that, that call in and, um, you know, just uh, how panicking, how panicky they are and just super frantic and just scared. And so, I mean, that did those experiences when you're on the phones and you're listening to these people calling in that are, you know, probably going out of their mind because they're scared of whatever's going on. That didn't scare you off to like, oh, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'll try something else. So, I mean, there were times that like, yeah, like my heart, my heart would race a little bit sometimes and. You know, but you go through trainings as a dispatcher where they're telling you, like, look, like, you are that calm voice. Like, you have to be able to bring that person back into focus, right? Because you think about it, you know, there are the three stages. There's the fight, flight, or freeze, right? Right. And so you kind of, you know, it kind of depends on, like, how you're going to respond in that moment, right? And most of the time, people are, like... You know, their flight, they're leaving, right? They're taking off, they're freaking out. Or then you got the people who are frozen in fear, don't know what to do. And so they're expecting you to be that calm voice. They expect you to know what to do. Right. So the reason they're calling is because I don't know what to do. You know what to do, or you know how to get the person who knows what to do to me. Right. And so, you know, it was expected that I be that calm, collected voice, right? And especially for, 
you know, when I was a dispatcher, like you had to be calm for the officers as well. Yeah. Because I can tell you now being on the other side of the radio, um, it's definitely comforting. Like when my dispatcher is coming over the air and she's calm and collected and she's telling me all these horrible things that are happening. Right. In but most, it's like in the most calm voice in the most. Yeah. In the most monotone, <laughs> calm voice. Um, she's telling me all the horrible things that are happening and she's telling me where I'm going. Right. right. And it, it actually is really helpful. It's very calming. It makes me, it actually helps me focus and bet, make yeah. sure I don't get like a tunnel vision or something. Yeah. Right. And so when I did that for a couple of years, like it just confirmed for me, like, yeah, this is what I want to get into, but I'm on the wrong side. Right. So then I, you want to be uh, more involved. Yeah, I, I need to be, be more hands on. Yep. And so then I uh, learned how to get into the academy and kind of just went from there. Right. Let, let's go back a little bit. Cause I'm a little emotional right now. Not going to lie. Cause Rick, Rick had told me about, you know, your situation and this is kind of a heavy subject because this is big within the, the poly community. Um, as far as, you know, sexual assault, you know, rape, all of those things, right. Under that category right. uh, of sexual assault um, and communicate to me, the biggest thing is communication. Right. And I feel yes. like we lack communication within the poly community and I don't want to get too into, you know, we're not on this show to, to tell you guys how you should, you know, fix your lives or live your lives. Um, we're most or more so uh, focusing on the positive things, you know, how to become a cop and, you know, the, the, the positives of, of being a cop and serving your community. But I did want to touch on that because it wasn't until you had that experience in school and then found out those things about right. your family member. Um, but there's a lot of teenagers, young women, young men uh, as well, who have no idea what's going on. Right. A lot of people yes. are oblivious to those things. And so it's important that us is at, at least for me, it's important that I teach my kids these are the things that can happen, right? right? For instance, my son, he's only five, but he knows when we walk in a store that you hold on to the cart or mommy and daddy's hand. Right. If not, yes, somebody's going to kidnap you. Right. That's, you know, and, and it's not to scare him, but it's so that he's aware because we hear it all the time. And I was telling Rick when he said it, he was like, yeah, she, you know, she became a cop because she you know, had these experiences. And I was like, man, I always wanted to start like a task force that stood in, you know, in, <laughs> in a Walmart yeah. parking lot and just waited. Cause we, we hear those stories, like people snatching up kids at Walmart and I'm like, and nobody's helping. Right. Or right. there's people helping, but a lot of times, you know, people get away with it. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that's huge. And you, you luckily had that experience and then you learn those things and that opened your eyes to that world. Right. Right. And well, and I mean, it's just like, kind of like I mentioned earlier, right. It's all about like educating people on it. Right. And yep. it's just like, he's just like I told you, like I had no idea. Right. I had no idea that I, you know, was related to somebody who was a, a victim and right, a survivor right. of this like horrible thing. Right. And so I think that's what was the biggest push for me. Right. Was to make a difference because it's, you know, I think it's different when people watch the news or read a newspaper, if that still happens, um, or, <laughs> or, or looks on Facebook and when they hear sees, about this stuff going on. Right. Yeah. Or if they look on Facebook and they're like, oh, you know, I saw that this horrible thing happened here. And I can't believe that. I couldn't imagine that. Well, now think about like when it actually happens to you or somebody you love, like, like if some, like obviously, right. Something happens to your kids, like right. you're going to do everything you can to protect them. You want to protect them and boy, you know, help the person that decided to hurt, the, you know, hurt yeah, your no, kid. Real, right. I'm still with so. that task force. If you <laughs> <know>. <laughs> so like that, that was my biggest thing is like, 
my family member didn't exactly get all the justice that she deserved. And so this was my way of I, well, being I mean, you, able I feel to, like victims never it. really can, though. I mean, they could get everything under the book. Yeah. And it still wouldn't feel like obviously like, now, obviously our system isn't perfect. Sure. Right. But like I can tell you, I definitely just from my from my point of view, my opinion. Right. Like I definitely do everything I can to make sure that that person gets the help that they deserve, sure. because I am thinking when I even the, I mean, these are strangers that I'm talking to when I'm at work. But I'm thinking if you were my family member, I would want the person who is supposed to help you go out of their way to do everything they could to make sure right. that you get the justice you deserve. Right. My aunt didn't get the justice that she deserved. Not all of it anyway. And so right. this is my way of trying to repay her that justice. Right. And also help those who deserve it. And, you know, cause a lot of people, especially in, in sex crimes and stuff, they don't come forward. Yeah. A lot of people are scared to come forward, whether it be religious beliefs, whether it be embarrassment, um, you know, whatever it may be that's holding them back. Um, they think that they can't report it or they think that no one will believe them. And, you know, that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm here because I'm like, no, I am here to listen to you and believe you because, you know, I know somebody who went through this. And so I can, I would like to say that I could tell the difference between somebody who is, who is telling the truth and who isn't. I think, well, I mean, and that's, that's you making that difference that you wanted to make. I mean, however big or small that change is, change is happening and and you're, and and you're the reason for that. And so, but going, I mean, so let's, let's kind of go back because I know we kind of jumped a little bit ahead of there, but let's go back to, uh, okay. So you, you, you knew that you wanted to commit to this, to, to this path. Mm -hmm. You were on dispatch and now you wanted to be on the other side of, you wanted to be receiving those dispatch calls as opposed to dispatching them yes so mm-hmm. you you find you found out how to get into the academy you're a brand new uh I don't, do you, you're green is that was how do they uh, they're known as cadets <laughs> cadets <Yes>. green? Okay. <laughs> hey i don't know i mean some people yeah, like, mission talk. Yeah, a, lot of people talk, a lot of people say that we it's not them, just in yeah, yeah i know them red tabs they're yeah. New. yeah okay <laughs> so so you're you're brand new coming into this what was your mental like i mean what was your what were your thoughts at like coming in? Like, were you just super energetic? Like talk about that. Oh man. Yeah. So, uh, anybody who's like, like I mentioned earlier, anyone who's seen the movie Zootopia, that was definitely me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I was all sorts of excited and pumped and I was like, I'm going to make the world a better place. <laughs> like this is going to be great, you know? And, um, like I did not think it was going to be as difficult as it actually was. Right. Um, I actually thought that, you know, I was like, no, people are great, you know, and yeah. like, you know, people just make, you know, they make bad choices all the time and I'm just there to tell them, Hey, don't do make, that. Yeah. Don't, don't make that. <laughs> put bad that down. Right? You didn't pay for that. Uh, sir, please put the knife down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that's, I was like all excited. Right? right. Like I just was like, yes, like I'm going to make the world a better place. This I'm finally be doing great. what I want to do. This yeah, is my like, calling. I was, I was in like superhero stance. Like, <laughs> this is going to be great. You know, then they threw you that vest and said, go right parking tickets uh, yeah 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 I, I they were like um are you even old enough to be here to put it to make it worse i had braces at the time oh man um so they thought that they didn't check my id when i started they thought i was like they 10, probably thought you so. were there for a ride along like yeah uh, seriously yeah they thought i was an explorer they didn't actually think that i was there to be a cop but um yeah like it when i first started i was like super excited i'm still excited like sure. i still love the job but i will say it has definitely like it has changed me sure. for good and bad i would say mm-hmm. 
So you're, you're, you're naive at this point, right? Yes, very much so. <laughs> at what point did you have to snap out of that naiveness and just say, okay, you know what? I can't be oblivious to this anymore. Obviously, this world is a lot grimier than I thought it was. Yeah, so it's just like I said, right? Like, obviously, I, I was very excited. I still smile and, like, kind of bounce when I walk, I guess, is what <laughs> the guys say. I bounce, and I don't mean to. Just, right. I try to be a happy, positive person. So, you know... I was still thinking, you know, even I had been to some, you know, pretty scary calls in that moment, right when I first started. And I was like, oh, no, like, it's still great. It's still great. It's still great. Um, it wasn't until um, I had a friend that got killed on the job that changed my mindset that actually like it really hit me. I was like, oh, like, yeah, like this real. Yeah, this, this is real. real. Life, like, like it's it's different. Like, you know, it's just like I said, like, it's different when you. When you see an article online or when, you know, you get people that talk about, oh, did you hear that this officer was killed here? You know, like it's different when you know the person and, you know, when the last thing you said to them, like you're thinking, like, did I say something good? Like, yeah. I mean, the last thing I had said to my friend was, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Right. right? And I was like, man, like I could have said something better. Yeah. <laughs> like. Like, that made a real difference in my life. And I thought, wow, like, this is real. Like, there are people who don't care who I am, who don't care that I, you know, am one of 10 kids, that don't care that I, you know, just want to help them become better or make better choices sure. or understand that they're struggling. Like, there are people out there who just don't care. Right. They don't want to hear my life story. They don't want to talk to me about what's going on in theirs. And it wasn't until then that, it really hit me that I was like, wow, like, you know, and I, for a while, I, you know, when that happened, my parents were very much, hey, like, are you sure this is a job yeah, you want to be in? Like, do you want you, to yeah. do this? Like, I, my, you know, my mom begged me, like, please get out, please stop. You know, my grandparents were, you know, telling me, please stop. This is scary. Like, this yeah, is becoming tough. too real for us, right? Yeah. And um, I told them, you know, I was like, no, like, this is like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I was like, I haven't finished my work here. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I need to be. And people still need my help. Even more so now with it being such a dark time, right? You know, obviously I don't know if I've made a lot of difference sure. in people's lives, but if I've at least planted at least one kind of seed of change and hopefully it grows further, you know, whether it be by my hand or somebody else's, like that's all I can hope for. Right. Yeah. That made me think about the Kobe thing because everybody, you know, as soon as Kobe died, everybody's like, oh, reach out to your family members, reach out to your friends and close loved ones. Yeah. And it's the same thing you said. Like, I could have said something better to him, right? Yeah. And you never know when it's the last time you're going to be able to say, I love you to somebody or, Facts. you know, who, you know yeah. what you really want to say to that person, right? Um, so that's deep. That's really yeah. deep. Yeah, so, so, so now you're a cop. Did you want to share any stories or anything? That you, have you had any incidents or things that happened with sex trafficking while being a cop? Um, so there have been, like, I can't really talk details about okay. cases and stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously That's there true. have been like, there, there are still people that come in and report those kind of crimes that, you know, that happened right. to them and everything. And, um, I guess like the most I will say on it is we get a lot of people that will say, well, you know, I was I was too scared to report it because I'm afraid of cops or I was too scared for anybody to find out or I was embarrassed. Right. And like the only thing I can push for that, like the only thing I can say or plead, you know, is, 
you know, our justice system may not be perfect, but I don't think that anybody deserves to go through that kind of trauma, and I don't want you to go through it alone. So if you can, even if, you know, you want to just come and talk to me for a couple of while, I tell tell victims all the time, I said, you know what, we can talk about anything you want to, and then we'll talk about it later. You know, I'm like, you don't have to tell me details or whatever, because obviously that's a hard thing. Like, if you think about it, you know, something as intimate as that, right? Right. That's, that's, it's something so personal and it's been violated, right? You know, that's, that's a hard thing to come out to family and friends about. So why would you talk to a stranger about it? You know, and I always tell people, I say, you know, sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger about the things that you've been through in your life because, Either you come across that stranger, you know, mm-hmm. once in a lifetime and it's done and they, you never have to see that person again and it just felt good to get that right. off your chest get it out, or, you know, like, you know, maybe you do see them again and it's nice to have somebody know what you went through. And yeah. like, that's like my biggest push is all I complete is I'm like, if something happened to you, like, don't suffer through that trauma by yourself, like come forward and and report it and talk you know like like me i'm always like please talk to me like tell me about it like that's the whole reason why i got in this job was to help you you know i didn't get into this job because i thought i was better than everybody else i did it because i wanted to help everybody right and that's that's very rare because uh sometimes you get cops who are there for other reasons right yeah, for real you, yeah. you, you see it we a lot don't speak like, on that too much yeah, we but, won't, but i'm that's saying that's, uh, that, that's rare that you the, the reason that you went into it you know um had a bigger motive than what you know most people do. So uh, I don't know if this happens still. I mean, it's 2020, you know. So hopefully it doesn't. But it's gonna. It's, I feel like it's always going it to. So when you when you first started about five years ago, I'm I'm just gonna assume. And if I'm wrong, please correct me, and I'll be happy that I'm wrong. But I'm okay. just gonna assume that that people looked at you coming in as this, you know, I don't want to use the word petite, but small, you know, woman. Um, whether that be officers that have already been in the police department already, or whether it be to uh, people that you, when you respond to calls that you get, I'm sure, well, let me ask first, are, do, did people, did you find that people were kind of like looking down at you because you were a woman or did you feel like um, maybe some of your, your colleagues or the people that you respond to calls uh, on those calls to, do you feel like they kind of looked down at you or kind of like saw you as, Oh, uh, you're not fit for this or, you can't fulfill the requirements of this job as best as I can. Like, do you feel like you, you faced a lot of that? Do you still face any of that? Like, so I will say that, um, that definitely is, it's, it's still a challenge. Really? That is still a challenge. Um, being a small or petite as it would be referred to a woman in law enforcement, like that is still a challenge. Like obviously, um, I guess the best way I can explain it right is like, you walk into a room full of people, right? So if a, if a bigger dude, right, walks into a room full of people, people are like, ooh, like I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna mess with that dude. His right? presence like, and size alone exactly. is kind of like commands like, that respect. Exactly, they're like, don't mess with that guy, yeah. right? But you know, here I come, you know, walking Shut down in, a party, you know, and <laughs> I'm just, you know, five three, like <laughs> short, you know, undersized tongan. You know, people think that. uh you know, they're looking at me and they're thinking, okay, um, how can I overpower her? Yeah. Right. Um, which obviously I understand that I have limits. Um, obviously I'm not as strong as a dude. I am strong. I'm not going to say that I'm not strong because oh, yeah. you'd be in the gym. <laughs> yes. True. I go to the gym. <laughs> so like, 
I'm not, obviously I'm not as strong as a dude. Like I said, like I know my limits and stuff, but you know, that's, I think that's why I worked harder than ever to make it to where I am today because I want to, I, you know, there are the people, whether they are, you know, coworkers or people on the outside that, you know, think that me being an undersized person would not be fit for the job because, you know, most people, when they imagine an officer, right. And we, and we spoke about it earlier. Most people, when they imagine an officer, they automatically say he, him. No, you know. I mean, that's right. when I right. told uh, my brothers about, hey, I, f- I met an officer today. I don't know if it was Monte or Losi. They were just like, oh, well, what's his story? And then I'm like, well, it wasn't you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, people just, you know, automatically say, and I mean, yes, it is a male dominant field, uh, which for good reason in, in certain aspects of the job, sure. there is a definite reason, there is a definitely good reason why we have men in the job, right? which I am all for it. Like, I'm not against it, you know, but like, I also think it's really good to have a woman's perspective as well. Um, I want to say that we've changed a lot of perspectives in the job as women, just because I feel like women are more like, so women are better at communication and men are just like you here now. Right. And the woman's like, well, how did we get here? Like, why did we get here? Like in general, hold on. I I communicate now. (laughs) (laughs) My wife don't communicate. You know, like, I mean, for overall, right, like, the guys are just kind of like, all right, well, we're going to do it this way right now, you know, and women are always like, but why? Yeah, critical Why are we doing this, right? And so, and that's something that we're trying to change in law enforcement, right, is to bring more of that critical thinking, right, which is why we've been working more on, like, de-escalation and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I definitely, you know, like, even when I was in training, like, all the time, like, I would have... Um, my suspects, they would be like all riled up and they get mad. And my trainer was like shaking their head. Oh, you know, like this, 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 this <laughs> undersized tongue is going to get her butt, her butt handed to her. And I would like go over and talk to them. Right. And it was just something, I don't know how, but I guess we call it verbal judo. Like I was able to talk to them and kind of bring them down. Right. And then my trainer would be like, how did you do that? And I'd be like, I don't know. Right. I just started talking and asking <laughs> like, me. what was, yeah, it was just me and me. And like my personality, I'm more of like a, like down to earth, like joking around. Like I like, that's just like my nature. I'm very happy. Like I said, like some right. of the guys are like, why do you bounce? Like, <laughs> like, why are you always smiling? And so I think that kind of like tore some barriers down with some, some of the people I've come across in my career. And so I actually learned that it helped. Now that's not to say that I haven't been in a fight or two. Cause I have, um, you win. but yes, okay. obviously I'm here. Okay. Okay. What's your record in the streets? Yes. No, <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't, don't, uh, come across my dad either. Oh. You taught me, <laughs> but yeah. So like, um, obviously that's a challenge, right? So like right. I told you, like, I, I know my limits and stuff, but I do everything that I can to make sure that I am still on par to, to make sure that I can still do my job as well as the guys do as well. Right. I will say the physical aspect was definitely a thing too. It was just like I told you, like when I first started, I was like 110 pounds, right. maybe wet. Like <laughs> I was, I was very tiny Right. and it wasn't an, you know, when I learned that I was like, Oh, like I'm actually gonna have to like get physical with people sometimes. Right. right? And that's actually one of the biggest reasons too, why I started getting into the gym In the gym. and getting fit and stuff. But I was right. like, Oh, I better start lifting weights. Start getting that kid to start eating more. Yeah. Start lifting real weights. Eating more. Lifting going weights. crazy. Yeah. 
<laughs> Still won't eat taro though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, you could have been a lot heavier. You're not you cooking own. it right. That's yeah. why. Whoever, you're not cooking it right. Uh, okay, so um, okay, so ju- jumping into now, I mean, um, you're at where you're at. What are your what are your ambitions moving forward? You know, what are what are some of your future goals that you're hoping to reach uh, within this field? Um, So one of my bigger goals, like, obviously, like, I'm really enjoying working for a local agency. Like, I love it. Like, obviously, eventually, like, everybody always wants to go federal, which is something that I still want to do. Um, Just not yet. I'm really enjoying, I really enjoy my work with the people. Really? Like, I love, like, at at the time, the time that I already have in, like, yes, I probably could uh, try to move forward and be a detective and stuff, but... I really love being on patrol because it's more like I'm more within the community and I've gotten to know a lot of people. A lot of people are very familiar with me now. And um, it's been really cool to um, like I can tell you, like there are a couple kids that I come across that I, you know, first came across when I first got hired and now I run into them now and they're you know I have had a few that are like hey you know like because of you I, I'm going back to school and <laughs> I'm doing this and I'm like that's great like good job Ray that, Ray. Yeah, yeah, I had a I had a mom call me uh her six-year-old wouldn't go to school and six he, years old six years old calling the police old. already on your six-year-old six that's years wild. Old. yes so coming from my, my background like I was like my mom will slap me and get in the car <laughs> and so like I was like nope not today and I told him I said do you want to grow up to be dumb and he goes no and I go all right get in my car so I put him in my car I drove him to school walked him in introduced myself to his class and said okay you know like little johnny didn't want to grow up to be dumb so that's why he's here i sat him down <laughs> sat him down in his chair and i said you're gonna be at school tomorrow and he said yeah i never had a problem with him again <laughs> his hey, mom's never out. called again he probably ain't never gonna forget that school. little johnny wanted his <laughs> education that's for sure so, so you're, you're wanting to work at a local agency then before you try and make that jump to Yeah, yeah, just because, like, right now I'm really enjoying working with the people and, right. and getting to know my community that I work for. And, like, I just, I just like, I'm a people person. Like, I'm a very sure. social person. And so I love, you know, being out within the community and getting to know, like, the areas that need more attention or the people who need help and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Why, why do you want to go into federal? Is, is it, because is, it seems like most people that I've, talk to you i had a buddy who uh just went into the police force and whatnot but his end goal is to be you know federal is it what's the whole um so there is and i don't know why my mind's it's a going, pay increase going blank is right that now. why um you definitely don't get in the job for the money i All can right. tell you that like if you're trying to get in law enforcement for the money like that's you in the Even wrong, for federal, you're it in doesn't, the wrong not job a, like i guess they do pay better okay. yeah but like my whole point of it is like the whole point of getting in that job period is right. like you're mainly there to just help people. Oh, like, okay. well, I'm sure at the federal level, you'd have more you'd have more resources to to be able to to help. Yes, yes, and I mean, like any first responder job, like um, it doesn't pay well, and that's why, like, when you tell people, like, if you're looking to get into this job, it better not be for the money because right. it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and a lot of people will tell you, "No, I'm here to help people." That's right. like the main answer. Right. And so, generally for federal, like what I uh, want to do, I don't for some reason the name is escaping my mind, but um, I want to be on the team that helps with like child abductions too, which also opens up into the world of like child abuse, sex abuse, and okay. stuff. You know, I have um, a brother that's actually trying to start a task force. I don't know if you want to are interested in that, but uh, he's over me. <laughs> Oh, I'll be hiring soon. <laughs> I'll be hiring soon. We're going to pay good, too. 
as long as there's Lupulu, I'll be there. <laughs> and, and Taro. And Taro. The right way. And never mind. <laughs> Just kidding. I like it when my dad makes it, I guess. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, the only reason why I asked is because usually, I mean, I've only talked about four or five people that were in your same field and wanted to go federal. So is it less social then? Because I know you said you like being... Um, so it just, I think it just kind of depends on whatever position you have. Okay. Right. And so the one that I really was interested in, um, that I haven't looked at for a while just cause I've been more focused on the local stuff, um, is the, uh, child abduction team, right. which is actually really cool. They're actually the same team that worked in the Elizabeth smart case as well. And they actually came out and did a training a couple years ago, which I did attend, um, which actually really piqued my interest and was really cool. I learned a okay. lot about that. I like that. Who's Elizabeth smart? She was the girl that got kidnapped like a couple years ago. A while ago now. A long really? time ago, yeah. There's she got kidnapped out of her house. Really? Yeah. Out of her house? Yeah. Couldn't be me. You guys don't? Okay. Is I'm there a series you. on it? Yeah. Because yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. You actually, should, I won't. I, I don't look, like watching those. So she actually does the documentary. She does it herself. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so you can look into that. It's a, her story is actually a, a pretty wild story. Like, well, pretty wild. Yeah. It's all of it is wild. If you're ever involved in something like that, it's it's wild from the beginning to the end. So that's cool. So um, talk about a little bit of you know because I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure, but there may be you know a, a young Polynesian um, man or, or or woman or young man or young woman that you know have thought about law enforcement. What is that process like? And granted, people, I mean, we know that you don't all live in Utah, and so you know the qualifications or requirements might be different in the states that you live in. But I feel like generally they might be the same. So talk a little bit about that process of what it's like to to get into law enforcement to become an officer. Okay. Um, So for Utah, at least, you have to take like a written exam first. It's known as the end post. Um, I believe that you can take it at the Salt Lake Community College at the Miller campus. That's in Sandy. And so you'll just, you can register online for it. I'm sure they're not doing in-person testing right now with the uh, virus out. But um, you sign up to take that test. Uh, They do have like a study book for it at their bookstore. And it's, I mean, you can, it's a really thin book. It's a very basic like reading, writing, and math Mm -hmm. test. Like very basic test. You take that, you pass it. Um, One of my best suggestions would be to, uh, take the test, and once you pass it, you'll keep your results. And then I would suggest applying for a, um, a police department, whatever department you're interested in. And then I know that most of them require that you submit your end post results uh, with your application. And then if you make it through the background and all the other things that the department will do to hire you, right, the hiring process, once you make it through the hiring process, most of the time they will sponsor you through the academy. Um, so that's your job. So they'll pay you to go to the academy, but even then, like you still need to make sure you're passing all the tests within the academy that doesn't secure your job. Sure. Uh, so you still have to pass all the tests, uh, both all the written and the physical portions. Um, and then you go through, after you've graduated the academy, you go through what's called the field training. And so you are on probation for a while. And you have a, a field training officer, so they're shortened. It's FTO. So you have Are an you a, you, in field or like 
just yeah, like so you, training so you, day. Yeah, so, so yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah pretty much. That's so the only like, cop I've been. Yeah, like you. So they they get the you. Cutty riding around with Denzel. <laughs> right. So they like they legit like they they put you in the car and you're taking calls, and oh, like cool. you you learn as you go, right? And so you obviously you have a senior officer in the car with you and they're teaching you how to handle every uh, every call, right? Um, and then uh, you'll learn how to write all the reports. Uh, that portion was not told to me. <laughs> Those report about writing the ones? job. Yeah, I did not know that uh, there's going to be so much report writing. Uh, but it makes so much sense now when people are like, I need a police report. And I'm thinking, oh, I, I didn't even think that I had to write that. Like, yes, you have to write that. Um, but like they teach you how to write the reports and stuff. And uh, you just get to learn a bunch of different things depending on the agency you work for about like how to handle right. certain situations, um, whether they be high or low priority. Well, I, uh, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> one thing I heard during all that was uh, you got to take one test yeah. and then you got to take another <laughs> yeah. test. Then you got to take this test and, you and then we got to go to the infill yeah. test. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> But it's they're actually they're actually not too bad. They're not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, uh, obviously you've been through a lot. You've you've had a lot of things that have gone on to where you could have easily said, "I'm done." You know, this is not really yeah. something that I want to do. Or, you know, you even had family that have reached out to you and say, "Please, you know, think of something else that you want to do." You know, you're you're a talented mm-hmm. person. Just do something else, and you still remain steadfast and you were committed to this path. And so listening to your story and, you know, having, having an opportunity to, to, to tell your story to our people, uh, to our people that are listening now, what is, if you could just push one message, you know, or I guess the underlying message of everything after people hear your story, what is that message that you want them to, to get from listening to your story? Um, so I guess like the biggest message that I would put out there is the fact that, I mean, you can really do anything that you put your mind to. I mean, I think about it. I am a undersized, you know, minority woman in a dominated male's field. Right. And so, and I had a lot of people along my way in my journey telling me, no, you can't do this. You're not supposed to do this. Right. And then, you know, especially just like in the way of like growing up my family. Yeah. Like my parents, nothing against my parents. I love my parents to death and I'm so grateful for what they taught me right and like you know I thought growing up that I you know was destined to be just a nurturer you know a mother and I learned that and then one day I thought hey well I want to be a protector you know how how do I become the protector Right. right and so I guess my biggest message would be like anything you put your mind to like don't stop because somebody told you you can't do it Like I am one of the biggest examples of showing people that I could do what I put my mind to. Like I was like, no, like I'm going to do this. And yes, I had my days where I was breaking down, crying at home because I had so many people who were against me. Right. But um, if you talk to any of my coworkers, a lot of them will tell you, you know, like because, you know, a lot of them saw me go through those challenges as well. And um, one of my favorite coworkers, you know, he was like, I, he goes, I just love that you keep going with the punches. Like, you just keep going through no matter how many times people have told you no. And I said, well, I said, I feel like if I do give in, you know, to people telling me that I couldn't do it, then overall, you know, 
yeah, they may win, but, you know, like overall, like I'm going to be disappointed in myself. Sure. Right. And so like, I think, you know, I learned, I definitely learned a lot about myself and how to be independent. And like my biggest push is like, if you've got something, you know, on your mind that you can do, right, no matter what the occupation is. And I, I have come across a lot of Polynesian people, men and women who have said, yeah, I was thinking about being a cop. But then I thought, oh, no, nah, I can't do yeah. it. You know, they think, oh, I can't do it because, you know, the, my family wouldn't like it or I'm not in shape. And, you know, right. and I'm like, just because somebody says that you're not in shape enough to do it doesn't mean that you can't change that. Facts. You know, like you can change that. You can get in shape. Yeah. You can change that if you want to do it. You know, if you're really serious about it, like I actually had, like I told you, I had a couple of, uh, there were actually a couple of poly guys at the gym that were like, hey, I didn't know you were a police officer. I, they came on a ride along. And um, they they loved it. It was right. a great night for them to come on a ride along. They learned and that's pretty cool. You know, and he was like, "Yeah." He goes, "You know, I always said I wanted to be a cop, but actually being able to come and see what it was like definitely like it was cool to watch right. him. As he was super inspired, like he was like, "Yeah, I want to do this now. Right. Like I'm <laughs> all for it." You know, and he's not old enough yet, but like he knows what he needs to do now yeah. to become one, right? And so like that's just my biggest push is do it even when they say you can't. Like, keep going. Like, don't give up because somebody told you no. Yeah. Right? It's a like, mindset I thing, right? Yeah, it really is. And, like, I feel like a lot of things in this world wouldn't be accomplished if people stopped doing what they were doing because someone told them they couldn't do it. That's true. That's, that's yeah. true. And that's good on you, for real, that you're, you know, being an advocate for our poly people to become, you know, police officers and helping our community. Because growing up, at least where we grew up, it was always like, Cops were the bad guys, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, like I said, we don't we don't call the cops. You know, we we handle it ourselves or whatnot. Yeah. But in a real situation, you're glad that the cops show up, right? Yes, and, you know, exactly. especially when it has to do with your family members and, and the safety of your family members is you're glad when the cops show up. Um, and I think that's big because riding around town here in Utah County where I live, there's nothing but white you know white people. I'm a, I'm a minority here, um, and my biggest fear is just being pulled over, being a you know. A, a black man in, in this world today. Um, not that I, I don't fear it, but it, it's something that always lingers, that lingers there in the, in the back of, of my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I always thought about, you know, if it was a black cop or, you know, in, in this situation, a Polynesian cop that pulled me over, probably put me at a little bit more ease that, okay, oh, this person, sure. you know, looks like me. They, I mean, they're not going to be scared of me like how some cops are. Um, and so that, that's that, I think that'll be big if we can get more, of our people in that field. So that was actually what we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, like I, and I've spoken about it. There are not very many Polynesian police no. officers out there. Um, we're actually very few. And um, I wish there were more because it's just like you said, right? Like you're more comfortable being with somebody who is the same, you know, I think right. background as yourself. Right. And so, and I think that that's where the gap is, is there are officers who don't understand the cultural differences. And right. I think that that does speak to a lot of the problems that have occurred, right? The disconnect between law enforcement and people of other uh, other cultures, because they're not that the officer is bad for not understanding it, but because they weren't taught, right. you know, that cultural difference. And so, you know, like, that's why I'm always saying, like, when I do come across poly people and they tell me they're interested, I'm like, you should apply, you should yeah, do it, right? Definitely. Like, go for it then, <laughs> you know, but then, they got all the excuses. Oh, I can't do it because of yeah, this, this, and right. this. And I'm like, well, well, if you changed camp to I can change this, mm. right? 
And, you know, I think it would make such a big difference. And I, I think that, you know, we would be able to, you know, help the community feel, I feel like it would put them more at ease or make them feel more safe. Right. Just like I said, like I treat everybody that I come across like my family. Right. You know, this is the first time that this crime, even though I've handled that crime maybe a thousand times, I'm treating it like this is the first time for them or for me. Right. And so I'm going to do everything I can to help them out. And so I feel like in the Polynesian community, that's all we're taught to do is to love and care for one another, care for other people. We're very loving people. I want to say, no, we are. And so like, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've definitely pushed in my career and and changed in my career is I am very uh, loving and helpful towards people just because that's how I was raised. And that's why I think that's why I'm able to talk to people a little more is because I'm like, no, like, I want to help you. How can I help you? Right. You know, tell me what I need to do to help you. Right. And yeah. obviously there are moments where I have to take charge and be like, okay, well, you, you know, you can't help now. It's my turn to help. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but like, I think it would be amazing if we had more Polynesian people in that, in the law enforcement world, because I've seen the cultural disconnect. For sure. And it definitely would make a difference. Mm. Nice. Well, Bree, we really appreciate you uh, coming up, taking some time to uh, share with our people your story, and uh, definitely inspiring. Um, where can, you know, whether it be people that are trying to get fit to become a police officer, whether it's somebody that wants to go on a ride along. Um, Bree's also a, a fitness fanatic, and so uh, she does, uh, yeah, she's, yes, she does do competitions and all that. And oh, so, you do comp- I didn't know that. That's yeah. pretty cool. You do competition? So, yes, I am into the bodybuilding world and lifting. I and go I to the gym every day. Yeah, every I used day. to, and then I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but where, 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 uh, where can people find you on um, your social media platforms? Um, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I don't know how to work Twitter, so I'm not on there. Yeah, I don't know uh, how to work so, Twitter. Yeah. Go ahead and drop your IG handle. Yeah. What's your IG handle? Uh, it's at Little Cop Hops. At look, we'll, we'll we'll tag it down yeah, below. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely tag, tag it down below. Where did the hops come from? Is that uh, from Zootopia? Yeah, it's definitely from That's crazy. <laughs> I actually have a stuffed animal of Judy Hops in my patrol car. How fitting. And a lot That's of people cool. are like, That's, That's so funny. I like and that. I'm like, I I'm not kidding. I watched that movie and I was like, Did somebody watch me in training? Uh, like this that is was the story me of like, my life. All the bunnies, the f- all the bunny kids. Yeah, I was yeah. like, That's my parents. I was like, Somebody followed my story. That's funny. Yeah, the fox on there was smooth. I like yeah. him a lot. That's a, that's a <laughs> really good movie. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Yes, Facts. go watch it. But yeah, awesome. uh, no, thank you very much for uh, for taking some time. We really appreciate it. To all of our uh, viewers, uh, thank you very much for taking this time to listen. We Definitely. hope that you've picked up something meaningful, something that you can use in your life. Use her as a resource. Like she said, she she jumped in this to the in, in this profession <laughs> to help people. So yeah, you got her IG handle. Yes, um, we'll drop me. we'll drop it down below. What, what was that? They can message me at any time. Like I'll reach out. Like any yeah. questions, I'll answer them. Shoot your shot. Time. She's single, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know, man. Hold I mean, on. The guy outside oh. thinks oh, otherwise, yeah, but you outside, know. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, oh, yeah. but uh, no. Seriously, uh, reach out to her if you have any questions, and uh, you know, just to continue to push forward. I know that these are hard times right now. These are crazy times, uh, and. More than anything, just make sure that you're safe. Uh, we, we love each and every one of you, um, whether we know you or not. We appreciate your support. Uh, keep yourself, keep your, your loved ones safe during this time. And, um, you know, this would be a perfect time for you to kind of sit back and reflect on your life, what you're doing, and, and think about how you can be prolific when these times end, because these times will end. And um, 
you know, it's going to be, it's going to be either sink or swim. Yep. I mean, it's so always be been ready. like that. Yeah, it's, it's always been Stay like that. Stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. <laughs> But uh, as always, uh, we love you guys. Thanks again for, for tuning in. And until next time, find ways to be prolific. Yeah. You made this? Man. Appreciate it, Bree. Pretty authentic, Bree. That was pretty good. You've done this before? No.